0: We all have a story to tell. Let's tell yours. Welcome to the Intellectual People Podcast with your host, Jason. Come together and listen to journey stories and more from interesting people. Welcome your host, Jason. Welcome to the Intellectual People Podcast. Today I have Adela and Peter from Procrastination.com, the authors of this book. Peter and Adela, welcome.
1: Thank you for
0: having Uh, us. All right. So tell us what is end procrastination?
2: So procrastination is a huge enemy of our success, our productivity. And it's growing these days because we have uh, addiction on social media, apps, all companies are trying to hijack our dopamine system. And to fight procrastination is a key skill for being successful in the 21st century. So for us, it's our main topic. We are focusing on procrastination for more than 10 years, and we are trying to simplify the science about procrastination because we have so many good research from Stanford, Harvard, but there is a huge gap between what science knows and what people do in their lives. So our mission is to simplify the science of procrastination.
0: Wonderful. So what I'd like to do is for both of you to introduce yourself. Of Adela, how did you always dream of being an author and writing a book?
1: Oof, not not at all. I grew up in the family of neurologists and, and more of a scientist. So I was always more of the learning about how things work. And not only until I met Peter, I actually found about the book and managed to help him spread the word and yeah, sort of the connected values of as he said, the the bridging of what we know and what we can use and really harness, that's what brought us together. And now, of course, I love it. It's been 27 27 countries we have the book in, and we can tell that the, the procrastination really is a global thing. It does not spare a single nation.
0: <laughs> Peter, did you always have this idea of writing this book?
2: Yeah, since I was a kid, I was to write a book. Uh, I had an opportunity to write a book about procrastination. It was twice painful because I was procrastinating writing a book about procrastination. So it's truly difficult to sit and write in this difficult uh, era of destruction everywhere. So for me, it was one of the highest uh, achievements of my life to really finish the book about procrastination.
0: So let me just get this straight. You're telling me that you've always wanted to write a book. And Mm -hmm. that topic was always procrastination? Or when did actually Mm -hmm. the topic of procrastination come about?
2: Not always, but a publisher approached me because we started with keynotes, with workshops about procrastination. And then a publisher approached us to write a book about that. And for me, it was a moment to, like, let's say, now I have to test all my methods. If it works, I will finish the book. If not, I should find a new topic to in. Uh,
0: fair enough so let's go back a little bit you in your early 20s were doing what
1: me in my early 20s i was traveling and working i was finishing studies in uk and new zealand and paris don't ask me how that happened but i was traveling mm-hmm. and my career definitely was going to be somewhere around production and TV and media. And I actually studied acting for a little bit. I never knew until I met Peter that my place on the stage is actually bringing science to people Mm -hmm. and not really being the Romeo or Juliet
2: in the world. So (laughs) (laughs) that
1: was my 20s. And procrastinating as well, professionally.
2: Professionally. (laughs) And you told Peter. Yeah, I was studying uh, computer science. And then I started to study law. So I was studying two universities. And in that time, I started a little startup. So I was like having a business, I was studying. And of course, my procrastination was a key enemy to my success. So it was the moment that I started to read the research about procrastination. And I started to apply those research on myself to boost my productivity. And when it worked, I told myself that I should share those ideas with other friends, colleagues. And then I was invited to do a first keynote at my law of law university. So it was my first keynote. It was 14 years ago. And it was a great success because those peers were so happy and they were so like uh, grateful that I gave them some practical tools about procrastination. So then I started to do more and more keynotes. And then the book happened. And then it's like exponential growth.
0: Yep. So... To both of you, and I'll start with Peter since you're the last one. Are Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur or do you consider yourself an author?
2: Yeah, I have five different jobs. First is being a writer. The second is entrepreneur. I have a company that has 30 people, 30 employees. So we okay. do education, we do conferences. Then I do my own podcast. So it's the third job. Then I do consulting one-on-one, like coaching. And then I'm trying to be on social media. So I'm like, let's say, influencer or something. So those are my five jobs. And I'm trying to mix all of them because I don't like to uh, do only one of those.
0: Understood. And yourself, Adela?
1: Oh, I, I am okay, an entrepreneur for sure. I do take care of all the our international business with the procrastination.com it's great that already Peter has the the team that we you know sort of share in doing that. but I would not say that I'm an author. I would really say more that I'm a trainer, really the ninety nine percent of my job or ninety percent of my job goes into helping big companies and their leaders, managing its people. and I'm the person who likes to dig deep and sort of deal with the issues and 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 going back to the issues you don't want to get back into. Um, So I would say, really, I'm more a trainer. I spend more time training the companies and in the keynote speaking sort of idea uh, than what Peter does with having his multi, (laughs) multi five person personality. But um, at the end of the day, who's not entrepreneur these days? I think somehow setting yourself and your know-how and and what you can do for others is an entrepreneurship in itself.
0: And Adela, do you contract to companies all over the world currently still?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I do. Do Do you have a name of a website that you'd like to mention?
1: Procrastination.com.
0: Procrastination.com. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed. Indeed, it's a a good commercial. But to be honest, um, and I think that was something that uh, Peter said at the beginning when we were talking, it's really 21st century. We've learned how to work online and offline. And now I think that we're in some sort of a sweet spot where we're loving meeting offline we're loving the coffees and teas and Peter does his podcast in his living room Mm -hmm. and it's amazing to watch how people can connect over a cup of tea Japanese and green but Mm -hmm. it's as well really nice to to be able to talk to the rest of the world like we now do from three countries and the same goes for the teams that I train sometimes I have them from seven six different time zones and I can still be with them and help them so that's really nice about the job that I'm
0: doing how did the both of you actually meet? How did how did that happen?
2: Yeah, Adelka, please tell the story because it's very funny.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if it's funny or very random, but <clears throat> very sad at the same time because I went to an event. I, had, um, I really came through a massive burnout. We both met because we had a very low point in our life. We almost call it a near-death experience. I really had heart problems and...
0: Pretty much one
1: day I decided to go and see some speaker at a at a conference and it was Peter's colleague. And she said, you know what? You would love Peter. You should you should meet up and you should talk to each other. And I remember the first time, Peter, we joked about wouldn't it be so cool if the book would like one day came out and I don't know. I don't know what we said, Swedish or something. Mm-hmm. And now <laughs> 27 languages later or how many it's actually becoming sort of comical that it's that it's true. But I um, I think that one thing is um, me and Peter, we never liked each other. We always had something very different. Peter's very thoughtful, you know, very things has to happen very proper. And I'm the plow, <laughs> all over the place. But we always share the same values, yeah. the one that are core for the company and for both of our lives. And I always tell people when we train them, when we're in the companies that when you share the values, Within your partnership, within your team, within your business unit, it's really easy to get along, and we were able to overcome the obstacles. Now we're we're the good
2: brother and sister, but
1: have well, sort of had to yeah. start yeah, I
2: consider a- you as as my second sister.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. After so- after being
2: two years together in New York, so sometimes <laughs> it was crazy because we moved there and we started the company from scratch in New York, and we were there just alone. So. Now we have to love each other because that was the only way to survive.
1: True, true. What, so, what are the
0: company values?
1: Sorry. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. What, what are the company values?
2: Well, the first is simplicity. I love simplicity. It's my core value for myself and for the company. Because okay. I believe that if you can't explain things simply, you don't understand them well enough. So simplicity to simplify the science is the key value. And we also use visuals. So uh, visual explanation is the core of the book. You can go through the book and you can see that there are more than 100 pictures. So simple diagrams that can like easily to transfer the knowledge and it can help you to remember the concepts. But at the end of the book, there is 100, more than 100 scientific studies. So it's a combination of scientific books a well, scientific book, but with simple diagrams and pictures. And this is the those two main values, evidence-based approach and simplicity.
1: And to add our human ones, the objectivity, love and sort of this idea that you you have to learn how to be objective. You have to understand critical thinking. I think that's something that's super important to Peter and the rest of our team as well. And then something that we call heroism. So being able really to go there and do it even when it's uncomfortable, stepping outside of your comfort zone. And I think that the positivity, love, goodness, however you want to call it, just the fact that we want to do good in the world. Those mm-hmm. are the sort of three things holding up and with the science, simple and 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 useful. It just always clicked. And I think all our team, the 30 or 35 people will tell you yeah. exactly the same.
0: Adela, would you agree that being uncomfortable is a really good thing for us humans?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. It's just, you're asking me now because I'm super comfortable, but ask me in the uncomfortable situation and I might have a different answer. But stepping outside of your comfort zone, not only we know it, but it's science proof that that's, that's the way things should work. That's where you're really taking the first steps to change into making something better
0: and you bring up a point when you're uncomfortable and then you go through that experience are you are you personally happy that you went through that experience of feeling uncomfortable and overcoming that and then coming out on the other side right
1: learning process 100 percent.
0: right process improvement exactly what is the vision for procrastination.com we've talked about the values what's the vision
2: Yeah, the vision is to help as many people as possible. So it's to scale up the knowledge that we have. So we are trying to start to uh, do some TikTok videos, YouTube channel and to sell as many copies of the book because everything is in the book. So it's still on the the process of translating the book into more languages is still on on process. So we are getting a uh, Chinese version soon then we have Arabic version soon. So still we have a lot of languages to um, provide the book in, uh, to more and more countries.
0: And is that a five-year, 10-year plan? Or, I mean, at, at what point? For whole life. Whole whole life
2: plan. I, <laughs> I, love, I love my work and I can do it in my 70s, 80s too. So it's sure. for a whole life.
1: Agree, you, 100%.
0: <laughs> do you see a second book ever coming out?
2: <laughs> it's 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 the most favorite question. one question <laughs> thank you no I, I was uh writing a new book about purpose in life and purpose at work but i started before covid and then covid hit and i changed very uh, almost everything in my life the whole company has to switch into uh, online world i moved from new york back to prague And then I did not write for two years. Now I have to continue with writing, of course, but it's very difficult to continue after two years that you just didn't write. So it's very difficult, but I hope that once in, let's say, give me a few, two, three years and I will give
0: you a new book about purpose. Fair
1: enough. A deal has been struck.
2: Sounds like (laughs) three years,
0: it's 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 good. Yeah. That's a big commitment right there, right? Yeah. Now, what is your process, Peter? You sit down, you start writing this book. Does Adela and the team look at it, or how what is the actual process of what you write and also reviewing, or do you use a third party? psychologist maybe to review it and look at the data right because you're not only going subjective but you're also looking at the objective side too right
2: yeah we have uh in team we have psychologists we have uh, guys that they are good in data analysis so basically at the beginning there was a keynote about procrastination there was uh, a training for five weeks how to help people to overcome their procrastination and then we just took those ideas from those trainings, from those keynotes and put them together into a book. So basically the keynote was before the book. So I had a lot of feedback on on the work from my clients, from psychologists, some top psychologists like Philip Zimbardo gave us an amazing feedback on the book. And then when the book was written, then I shared the book with the team and then we started to do a lot of discussions about wording, about details, how we can call this tool, if it's heroism or everyday heroism, if it's habit list or habit sheet or whatever. So those tools are very important for us from the book, but it was a huge discussion like how to uh, how to use the different names in different languages because in one language, the name is very clear, very useful, but in different languages, it doesn't work. So we had to very... Uh, we spend a lot of time discussing the
0: wording. What part of that process do you enjoy the most?
2: <laughs> nothing. The no, no, nothing. <laughs> no, I nothing.
0: love people.
2: I love people. I love keynotes. I love podcasting. I love talking to people. I love consulting. But writing was very, very unpleasant to me because you are alone. If you write a joke, no one is laughing. You don't have any feedback, no dopamine at all. So after two years of writing, uh, you are not sure if it's going to be successful. So it was the most unpleasant thing that I ever done. Truly, so very interesting. For me, writing was completely outside of my comfort zone.
1: Can I just hop onto this? I love the honesty because equally when we translated it to English and when we had to sit on it and then do the other language and then talk to the publishers in German and, and Ukrainian and Russian and, and, and Thai and all this. And then we had to like discuss the words and go through it again. It's exactly the moment where this is sort of an uncomfortable zone for us as well, because we like to be with people. We love to talk. We love to inspire. You ask before what the vision is and something that we never forget is we say better self, better world. Huh? People will always be born, always die and always procrastinate. We know that. But we want them to be a little bit better. So we just say, hey, th- this is sort of the, the calling that we have. We just one by one make the people better, no matter if it's a company or if it's, you know, the a hall of people and you just gave them a keynote. And the book is somehow a tool, like another thing that we can use. So we have the e-learning, we have the e-books, we have the books, we have all the other stuff and the keynotes, but it all going towards one goal. To make the world a little better, so you're there struggling with the translation, wanting to kill each other, do not agree on anything or how the picture should be up. But in your head, it goes like, "Come on, let's do it. Let's endure it. Like we know why we're doing it. We want to make the world a better place." But at that moment, murder just ugh, worse.
0: 100% <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Makes me really not want to write a book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's it's. Um... Something that connects you with immortality. Uh, I remember that we, uh, me and Adela, we were visiting the New York Public Library and they have like five copies of our book there. And even though we die, still they will have our five books. So it was very strong to me. But after, after the end, so yeah, the writing was not pleasant, but at the end, it is very, very pleasant. If you put something in the world and your ideas are somewhere start forever
0: and ultimately that's what this is about right this is not about the actual printed book but it's more about you spreading your knowledge and helping is that correct is that accurate it is it is now because we all procrastinate in a certain way right it's it's not right for any of us to say well i don't procrastinate i'm a doer i get it done right the reality is, we all have some form of procrastination. Mm-hmm. Correct?
2: Yeah, even uh, people that are workaholics—they procrastinating having a rest, so they also procrastinate.
0: Right. So let's let's teach somebody what they can do in in the simplest form to not procrastinate. How, if you're giving advice to somebody yeah. that says they're not a procrastinator, you got two people. I'm not a procrastinator. And then I'm a severe procrastinator, right? You're going to give both groups some advice to help them. What is it?
2: Well, at the beginning uh, of the book, there is one Japanese proverb, and it beautifully summarized the whole of the whole book. And it follows like this vision without action is a daydream and action without vision is a nightmare. So basically, this simple proverb summarized the whole book and those two main ideas, vision without action. So you know what to do. yeah You have your New Year's resolutions, but at the end, you do nothing. You are uh, procrastinating. But what is even worse is if you have action without vision, it's the situation when you are working on something and you lack purpose. So basically, if you want to fight procrastination, you need those two ingredients. You need a strong life vision, like you have to know what to do what is your mission what are your values and then you need to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and to act so it's about habits it's about uh time management but basically you need those two main ingredients so that's why the first chapter of the book is about vision how to uncover your strengths how to know what to focus on at your uh, business life private life and the second chapter is about habits willpower and time management how to stay focused and stuff so Those are two main concepts of the book. And I love the Japanese proverb because it's
0: truly to the point. Agreed. And you said something that really resonates with me, which was people's strengths. You didn't bring up the opposing word that many people use of weaknesses, which I really have a hard time with because I look at it as we all have strengths, right? It's a matter of putting groups of people together that have strengths that Mm complement each other and build that strong team, right? Right. In the book,
2: th- there is a, a chapter about strengths and what we are telling people that 80% you should focus on improving your strengths and only 20% to overcoming your weaknesses because if you focus just on your weaknesses, you are drained. Yeah? You don't have emotions. You you are stuck. But if you focus on things that you are good at, it's much better. You are more often in a state of flow. Time stops for you. You are in the present moment and you are improving uh, in the long term. So basically 80% focusing on strengths and 20% overcoming weaknesses. And that's the ideal ratio of being uh, a, like, let's say, being in in the good mood for improving.
0: In your research, why do people procrastinate? Adelka? <laughs>
1: I like listening to you talking about procrastination. We both train it too much that it's
2: nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But the question was why they, why they procrastinate, you think? so? Um, I think that it all goes through something called the decision paralysis. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that, as Peter said, we live in the world of so many options, and we thought that if we have plenty, if we have all the things to pick from, and if we have the 70 types of orange juices to go to and select, we'll be happier. But it's not true, actually, because our brain has to make the decisions over and over and over again. What am I going to do? Which partner am I going to pick? When am I going to sleep? What am I going to eat? You're depleting your brain. You're making it more and more tired. And so many times, rather than making an option A or B, you just pick nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Do I go yoga? Do I go, I don't know, um, meditating? Do I go kickboxing? Ooh, Netflix. And there you go. So a mm-hmm. lot of the times, it's not really a fault of anybody else. It's just the world that yeah. we're placed in.
2: Right. And uh, let me add some uh, detail, because we live in the era of distractions, all over, notifications, Algorithms are making things even worse. Like the algorithm of TikTok, there was an article, I think it was a Wall Street Journal or something, and they were telling that it's addictive as crack cocaine, the algorithm of TikTok. So it's a huge problem for younger generation because their um, attention span is very, very uh, small, very narrow. And at the end, like uh, it's not our problem. It's the problem that someone invested billions of dollars into those algorithms to hijack our dopamine system. So basically, we are uh, not weak. They are strong. You know, it's not our problem. It's the problem that we are unable to regulate those social media uh, network companies because they have billions of dollars investing to make the algorithm more addictive.
0: Have you ever thought about trying to get this book into the school system?
2: Of course. Yeah. We do a lot of trainings for uh, schools. One one week, two weeks ago, I had a talk for uh, 12, 14 years old kids. And it was amazing. It was one of the best experiences in my life because if they can use this knowledge, if they are kids, then they can have much better life in the future. So for me, working with Uh, schools is one of the key missions for us to to deliver those same keynotes that we deliver in companies for schools a little bit simpler a little bit shorter but uh, basically the core is the same to help them to uncover their strengths to focus on their purpose in life purpose at future work and then to build their willpower through some um, habits and from and to help them to overcome their comfort zone so it, it works even for kids
0: and yeah. what about in university for an older older child of course yeah yeah,
2: yeah. We, we started with universities I, the first 10 keynotes that i had uh, were for universities basically exactly. as i said my first keynote was for my law university and then uh, i deliver keynotes for free for universities and then companies approached us to deliver some keynotes for companies, but we started with students. And because we still we do. Were, we were. We have a we lot of teachers that he's actually
1: asking us. You do. Because mm-hmm. somebody would find it in the library or a teacher would recognize the fact that if the students would learn how to focus better, how to be better mm-hmm. motivated, how to really select the subjects they like and study something that fulfills their purpose and calling, they're mm-hmm. better students. And if I'm correct, we had, we had students from Africa, from Australia, from Canada, of course, in a European European schools. So it's uh, we actually hope to have more of those and be able to share it with a sort of a younger, younger audience. And that's something that's sweet about the book as well. You can read it as a 14-year-old and you can read it as a 100-year-old. I'm pretty sure we have some 100-year-old reading the book now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> or
1: granddad, Peter.
2: <laughs> yeah. The thing is that we are all global citizens. We use the same cell phones. We use the same Facebook. We use the same Instagram. So we are not that different. Yeah. So even though you live in Asia, even though you live in the US, if you live in Europe, we are all kind of same in terms of procrastination, same addictions, same distractions.
0: Sure. Do you think that artificial intelligence known as AI will mm-hmm. also create a larger problem within this?
2: Yeah, I have a major in, in computer science and one of my topics were AI. But it was 10 years ago, so 10 years ago, and now it's a huge, huge uh, difference. But uh, we are trying to use AI even for our, uh, let's say, consulting because, for example, with ChatGPT, you can ask the ChatGPT how, according to AI, you can fight procrastination. And it was very, very smart. Those answers were very similar to what we teach. So uh, I think that the future will be some kind of cooperation between humans and AI and AI can make us better trainers can make us better podcasters can help us in uh, let's say not doing the uh, unimportant stuff like to spend time with uh, useless activities but with AI we then could can focus on what is truly important so I believe that AI can shape the world a lot in positive both positive and negative way but for me I'm trying to use the positive part.
0: Good for you. Yeah. And I read something that was interesting. It said something to me along of along the lines of uh, people are worried about losing their jobs who use AI. The reality is that people that don't use AI will be replaced. Something to
2: that. 100% agree. Yeah, 100% right. agree.
0: Now, I know that you're not wanting to be a TikTok uh, sensation. <laughs> However, have you thought about almost using your keynote speaking in TikToks and doing mm-hmm. clips, right? Because people's attention span, especially those that majority that use TikTok is pretty small. And yeah. and putting out your message that way within TikTok. We do
1: we do now. Peter made may We are me.
0: trying. We are trying. But the thing <laughs> it is totally
1: that
2: the, the 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 TikTok is one of top evils in this modern age, and we can use this evil to spread the knowledge about how to fight this evil. So it can work together, yeah. So but for us, it's still very very difficult to uh, take the camera and telling people in one minute how to be productive, how to change their right. life. So I I love long formats. That's why I love podcasts that we can go. Deeper, and we can discuss things in detail. But in one-minute video, it's very, very difficult.
0: Peter, explain to all of us why TikTok and uh, not necessarily only TikTok, mm-hmm. but any digital media is is bad for us, or can be bad for us.
2: We have a dopamine system in our brain, and it works that uh, if you get something that you are interested in then a small amount of dopamine is released and those social networks they use something that is called cheap dopamine you don't need to try to get that dopamine so before social media you had to do something you had to i don't know accomplish a task and then dopamine was released but with social media it's releasing a little bit of dopamine constantly and in, it knows you better than yourself because they measure all, all details, like how long you watch this video, uh, where, where your focus is, and it serves you the best content and the best content that is the most dopamine in your brain. That's why it's called Dopamine System Hijack. And the problem of TikTok is that the, the algorithm is made in China and we don't know how it works. And basically, they are, get, they are getting all those behavioral data of all Western society and in the future they can use those data in, let's say, kind of hostile ways. So this is a problem not just about addiction and algorithms, but it's also a problem of, for example, fake news and uh, like division in society because with those data, you can truly uh, divide the Western societies even more then it was done
0: with Facebook. Do you believe that that is the goal of TikTok?
2: Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I think that uh, their main goal is to make a better algorithm that is more addictive. That, that's 100% sure. Because they use that algorithm not just for TikTok. The owner of the TikTok is selling the algorithm for e for other, uh, let's say, companies. So the more the algorithm is addictive, the more they earn money. So for them, the goal is simple to make the algorithms more addictive and to hijack your dopamine system even more. That's why they compare it to crack cocaine because it's very difficult to uh, have, for example, call Turkey from social media for one month. No one can do that. Almost no one.
0: There is some science that, um, without going into it too far, but there's some Mm -hmm. science that shows that we as humans are a product of our ancestors to a degree, okay? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, and I'm not wanting to put words in either of your mouths. However, do you believe that this digital creation that we live in has the potential to affect generations down the road?
2: Yeah, sadly, 100%. And I think that The problem of humanity is that we are living in the world that is so different than the world 50 years ago so we don't know how to handle those big problems. Not just uh, algorithms but climate change the growth of populism and fake news around the world and I think that this is a very challenging era. So still we live in a great era. I love 21st century. We have freedoms we have uh, very good health care. We have Ability to travel. We have, I don't know, uh, very, very. I, I truly love this world, but mm-hmm. the thing is that if we want to survive on this planet, we have to change many things. We have to change the system of education to help, like kids, to survive in this environment of digital uh, media and stuff. So I think that we should truly, truly focus on on education first. The education and, system.
0: And how would you change? Mm. Or what do you recommend a parent does with their child's digital uh, media? Mm. I mean, let's start there because that's probably the easiest thing, right? So we don't procrastinate about it. We actually can take an action, a corrective action today, right now. What does Peter recommend?
2: Well, it's very difficult, but I I highly recommend to teach critical thinking skills. Critical thinking is one of like meta skills, because if you are a better thinker, then you can be better in all domains. So critical thinking should be a main subject at schools and uh, media literacy and ability of uh, doing your own fact checking to understand the science, a little bit the scientific method to understand that there is is a difference between a study on 100 people or 10,000 and to understand like what is double-blind, placebo-controlled trial and stuff like that. So I think that we should deploy a subject at school about critical thinking. It's it's one of our missions too. We have some pilots here in in Czech Republic about uh, deploying critical thinking subjects at school, and it, it's it's the the best way how we can help kids to survive.
0: Love that. Absolutely love it.
2: Can
1: I just add one thing Please. on top of that mm-hmm. from Please. very, very still young mother's perspective? Please. And it's something strange what I'm saying that we talk of media literacy. We talk of how to talk to kids about Instagram and Facebook and then get them the phone and everything. But very little people, I feel, live by the example. So the kids, they only want the phone because their parents are always on the phone. Mm-hmm. And then they, you would be told, oh, but, you know, I was too busy and then I didn't know what to do. I had to make dinner. So I gave my kid um, a phone. She's already eight months. She's just watching fairy tales. Mm-hmm. My daughter's Nineteen months now. She's never seen a phone. She has no idea. She never saw a fairy tale travel the world with her. That you know, hours and hours in the airplane, and now sometimes I'm seeing. I'm, I'm touching the phone and she hates it. She will look at me and she knows I'm not giving her the full attention. So, to me in the the critical thinking and all this, hundred percent absolute base. But as well, this leading by example to really do it. You know, to sort of live by what you preach because those little monsters they'll see absolutely everything and they know you go to the loo right. just to check the instagram hey so those two things i think when it comes to the next generation they would really like we really have to show them how mm-hmm. it's done we have to prepare them how to then follow in the in the good footsteps themselves
2: right 100% agree
0: it's so interesting it it, it is the problem is is so much greater than we actually all really realize right that's what i'm learning right yeah, now is right. that the problem is far greater than than the average parent or even person without a child mm-hmm. really understands how big of an effect this has on the world and I think it's that, only going to get i don't want to say worse it's only going to get more intense yeah
2: and the problem is that you have procrastination on personal level But then you have procrastination on the whole society level, like with the climate change. We are procrastinating to solve the issue of climate change. And it's very, very similar. Like we are postponing and we are trying to, I don't know, to find some uh, alternative facts to uh, make us a little bit calmer. But the reality is very, very bad in terms of uh, how much time we have to act and it's very similar like if you are procrastinating something very important in your private life and you know sure. that you have to act but you are unable to act but we do the same as the whole whole society and it's even even worse i guess
0: i i typically don't get political on this show mm-hmm. however since you brought it up i'm going to ask you the question and this is not a debate mm-hmm. simply how does peter fix climate change what do, what do you do <sighs>
2: Well, I had a talk. I have a, let's say, uh, one, one hour long keynote about climate change. And for me, it's about to really realize that it's happening and to push like politicians to find the solution that is sustainable. So I truly believe in technology. Like For example, you have some new technology that is uh, cheaper than the oil, and that's why it works in the long term. So I truly believe in innovation and about cooperation like, between government and businesses. But of course, it's truly difficult to have a simple answer for, for that, because I did two episodes of my podcast with some top climate uh, uh, scientists and they were very skeptical. They were telling like, well. We don't believe that we can fix that. And it was very sad to me because even though we want to do something, it's not a simple one uh, tool that can change everything. Sure.
0: And it should also be said that nothing is technically really simple to fix something overnight. It takes time, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, including procrastination, right? Yeah. We Everything is simple on paper. The execution mm-hmm. is what makes anything somewhat difficult, right? And let me
2: add, add here something because what is funny is that in Europe, climate change, it's not a political issue. It's more in the US. I know, like I lived there for two years. I know it's political, but here in Europe, it's it's not like like that. Yeah? It's more that uh, we are all trying to find a solution even though you are left or right. we don't have this kind of division in societies.
0: It's interesting. Now, do you target typically larger size oh, okay. companies like fortune 500 size companies mm-hmm. or do you target the smaller 10 to 50 people companies
1: oh all, well,
0: 100
1: yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>, percent <okay. laughs> from your smallest startups to really the biggest companies you have in the world okay because as we said the the dying the 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 sort of being born and the procrastination that's gonna that's gonna happen and they have really similar issues really similar issues no matter the size of the company
0: right how do you target them what how what's the process
2: yeah the thing is that uh mostly they approach us so for example i had an opportunity to work with google microsoft and they approached us to deliver keynote on their conferences so that's the best part that the more you talk at conferences the more offers you have so it's like you have one conference then you get three offers. Then you do three conferences. Then you have nine offers. So it works like that. You get to the tipping point, and then it works just without any huge effort. Yeah,
0: so that's that's
2: very very nice. But still, we have uh, a sales department in our company to okay. like yeah. trying to handle all those contacts because for me, I, what I love is being on stage, but I'm not good at. I don't know sending invoices and discuss prices so we still have a very good sales department but mostly the the companies are approaching us Hmm. and don't forget that
1: i'm sorry but procrastination is not the only topic that we do Hmm. it's still based on the same values but we do still have um people who focus on different things. So there'll be um, there'll be leadership and uh, communication and all those things like sales and presentation skills. So a lot of the time it happens that they would see us talking on maybe a different topic, but then the procrastination comes along and 100% of the time we're like, oh yeah, okay, we have issue with those ones as well. So how about you sort of do this? So in the way of cross sell, in the way of really the simplifying science and bringing it with the with the good tools, with the good aha moments, with the experience we had of the decades in the in the in the industry, that's a sweet spot for us. And I think that people are so bored of you know the um, sort of tuxedo wearing. I'm going to talk to you about this in this topic, and I'm going to show you a spreadsheet of millions and <laughs> millions of numbers, and uh, we call it the death by PowerPoint. I think everybody's sort of mm-hmm. sick of that. So so they yeah. like the sort of more open-minded, um, sometimes funny, sometimes brutally honest approach that we have.
0: Do you uh, offer um, any value to those companies that reach out to you? Like, I guarantee you're going to see a result.
2: No. At, the, at the beginning, when we started, it's like 12, 13 years ago, uh, they had some KPIs of the corporation. They want people to change in special domain. But now it's more... Like edutainment, it's about education but uh, entertainment. So now I think that it's changing the edu part. It's maybe the same, but now companies they want to do uh, like uh, entertainment more. So sometimes we are telling that we do a a stand-up show uh, about procrastination and science, and people Stand they have song. to laugh. They have to laugh. They have to be full of energy at the end of our talks because it's the way how the brain works if you have positive emotions then you remember much more so we have to deliver funny stories we have to deliver simple pictures we have to be like stand-up comedians a little bit
0: so your show is somewhat interactive correct mm-hmm. yeah and it's not just procrastination it's team building it's sales it's procrastination and everything that goes along with it. Is that yeah, we,
2: we're, we're telling that we are teaching skills for 21st century because at schools you have subjects that are not that useful in this modern era. So for yeah. me, it's about presentation skills. It's about time management. It's about leadership. It's about those all soft skills of communication but at the end like what what you have at schools uh, out of those uh, skills almost nothing so basically we are trying to help people to better be better and survive in 21st century
1: and don't forget that a lot of companies, they work in a way of like, we have one subject or one topic and it works great. We're going to hire more consultants. We're going to you know give them the, the little briefcase and go do it with the companies. For us, it's totally different. We're always trying to surround ourselves with people who have their PhDs or their focus on, on things, on topics. We have a colleague that speaks really about child development. She has a PhD in child development. She focuses on, on meditation and mindfulness and everything that goes with kids and with their behavior and with communication, she joined our team and now this is our topic. And so it's not like we do one thing. We're really trying to keep the the, the knowledge on as high level as possible and really have each part of the team focusing on what they do. So a lot of the time it happens that one company works with us for many, many years and they would have 35610 colleagues visiting us they would always know who we are by the doodles and the way how we communicate and how we sort of share the information but it will always be backed up by science and sort of delivered by the pros which is something that's uh, that's not a trademark that's just that's why it's sort of our hearts are beating
0: yeah. can people find out on procrastination.com about all the services that you offer
1: yeah. probably
2: there is everything And there are so, uh, there is a list of all our topics, but still the topic of procrastination is the beginning. Uh, The book is the key part of our lives. So I highly recommend you to go through the book and then to read more about other topics. But procrastination is still the key skill how to be more productive. So,
0: one more time Mm and procrastination is the book for over 400,000 have sold, right? I even more now. It. <laughs> it's great, to, it's great to hear the numbers. Yeah. yeah. They can purchase it Amazon and every bookstore possible, correct?
1: Every bookstore. If you go to procrastination.com, it's very easy. You have you click on the on the book, you will see it. It'll give you your Barnes and Noble, your Amazons, your online, your offline, you have audiobook, Kindle, you you name it. We even have an online course. So if you procrastinate so much you don't want to read or listen,
2: <laughs> <it's> online.
1: <laughs> Like
2: And it's Adela there. Adela is, and <laughs> of course, so. yeah,
1: it's my face. I apologize, but hate's gonna help <laughs> <me> procrastination.
0: Wonderful, <laughs> Peter. I'll start with you. Is there anything that I haven't asked that I should have?
2: I don't think so. My key message for our listeners is the one about finding life purpose, finding the vision, and then have courage to change things in life. Focus on power habit so we went through all important parts of the book thank you so
0: much thank you and Adela I you. agree so I agree you were
1: well prepared mm. you don't know how many interviews we did with somebody about the book who did not read it whatsoever and asked us all the wrong mm. questions so thank you for actually putting the effort we highly appreciate it and I think that all was answered and I'm gonna circle back to better self better world now huh? sometimes mm. even little things and sell betterment just being a kinder nicer person can be a huge step for humanity so i'm going to end it with that for sure
0: well that is a fantastic message and everyone please go check out procrastination.com and i'm sure peter would be more than happy to come to your small or large company to give a speech mm-hmm. thank so you much. for having with us
2: you. thank you it was a great interview and guys see you somewhere in the future and we will visit you in miami if there will be a chance.
0: Thanks for listening. Find us on YouTube and Facebook at the Intellectual People Podcast and online at the IntellectualPeoplePodcast.com. Check back for exciting new episodes.